I good? So we're uh, going to be talking about uh, joy in our journey. And uh, Anita told me right before I came up that I wasn't allowed to ramble. Um, so um, asked me specifically not to. So I'm going to go and ramble for a little bit. First of all, I was expecting chairs. Because anytime there's been two people speaking, there's been chairs. And I always wondered why. Or a table. Because I assumed that it's less imposing than p two people standing shoulder to shoulder um, speaking. But so if this feels uncomfortable, it's okay. It's uncomfortable for us too. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and if you could see uh, the way that we work, um, Anita is the detail person, um, and she is uh, the one who kind of puts everything together, and I'm the ideas person, so which is why when I ramble on like this, she's like, just tell me what you mean so I can get it down into like the succinct bite so we can get moving forward. So now that she's staring daggers at me because she told me to do, Those not daggers. to do exactly, uh, so if you see her uh, kicking or s staring at me, uh, then you know exactly why. Uh, but we're going to be talking about joy in our journey. And, um, yeah, just uh, we're going to be giving biblical context. and just There's our family. There we go. That's and the picture. Yeah. So found it. great photo. Very humbling parenting experience. <laughs> All right. Onward. Thank you, guys, at the back. So um, we're going to be talking about joy and just giving biblical context and also uh, our story. Uh, in how joy has been um, a part of our lives. Obviously, uh, joy is something that's a gift of the Spirit, but just how it's worked itself out, especially in the last four years, uh, in growing us and how we've experienced it um, in, uh, in the way that uh, God has shown us new ways to experience Him and to go deeper with Him. So uh, we have, uh, if we go to the next slide, joy is uh, not happiness. So if we were to experience joy, we're experiencing the emotional response to God's presence in our lives. Uh, different from happiness. Happiness is the emotional response to our circumstances. So uh, joy is, in, is internal. I almost said eternal because I did that last time. Happiness is circumstantial. So like the other fruits of the Spirit, joy is an aspect of God's being. God doesn't become joyful. He is joyful. Therefore, as we grant him more and more control over our lives, his characteristic of joy will overwhelm our tendencies to be angry, self-centered, and frustrated. And of course, those are the opposite of the fruits of the Spirit. So, in our experience, we have a lot of things in our life that have brought us happiness. Obviously, we have our kids, we have our family, we have so much going on. Um, but we wanted to learn more about the joy that was promised in Christ. A joy that is present no matter what the circumstance. And, um, and, that, uh, and here's the biblical context to the first part that we want to talk about, how we, could ex how we have experienced more joy in our lives. And it comes from uh, 2 Corinthians 8, and it's from the, uh, the New Living Translation. And uh, if you want to follow along, of course, in your Bibles or phones, you're welcome to. Um, so we're starting in verse 8 here. Um, 2 Corinthians verse 8, it doesn't, oh, verse 1 and 2. Okay, so now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, but they, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So this goes back, and, and we'll be happy as we're going into our um, ministry night, and obviously... Uh, touching on one of our core values here at Jericho Ridge, the joy and generosity, right? So 
Uh, we read a book, and I know a lot of you guys have read this book as well. Uh, it was uh, through the MB uh, Fellowship that we had the genius of generosity. And uh, this book uh, touched us in ways that just led us to understand more about uh, what God is calling us to as far as the uh, joy that we can experience through giving. And, um, and uh, so it was by this guy, Chip Ingram. And the, just a context to the story I'm going to read uh, Chip was a pastor, and I'm not sure if this is an allegory or if it was a true story or if it just related perfectly, uh, but either way, it related perfectly to the relationship that we see in the joy that we have in giving. And Chip was telling a story of uh, this rich businessman, and uh, this rich businessman and him would meet together for coffee every once in a while, and at one point, this man gave him a blank check. Or he gave him a lo- very large check, sorry. And the t- with that check, there was, some, um, there was some things that he had to do with it. So he had to spend it, and he had to uh, spend it on people. He had to spend it on ministry. He had to spend it on whatever uh, God was calling him to spend the money on. But then also he had to go back, and he had to uh, meet and tell this rich businessman exactly what he had done with the money. That was the only context behind it. So I'll read uh, about what Chip wrote. So he said, three or four times a year, John would buy me an extravagant meal, and I would tell him extravagant stories of how God had used his money. After we got through talking about the pregnant teenagers and unemployed families and unpaid medical bills and -and down-and-outers who needed a helping hand, story after story, John would utter an uncomfortably loud, Praise the Lord! And then, with a twinkle in his eye, say, let's do it again. And he would fill up the discretionary account with some more funds, and we'd start the cycle all over again. It was one of the wildest experiences I've ever had. Did you see it happen? This deal, in quotations, or partnership, as he put it, caused me to know John, learn his perspective, and gain unique insights to how he wanted me to spend his money. It caused me to become very faithful and accountable in what he has in, in what he had entrusted me. And it caused this old godly man and young energetic pastor who had little in common to become friends as we celebrated the fruits of our efforts. I'm sure you see the spiritual correlation by now. This is a powerful picture of our relationship with God and the way that we manage his resources. So why did I start to think about John all the time? Because I had a responsibility to act in his interest just as God invites us to represent him in the world. Why did I become faithful? Because it was his money, just as we become faithful stewards of the resources God has entrusted us. And why did John and I become such good friends? Because we got together to celebrate, just as God enjoys celebrating with us over the fruits he bears through us as we partner with him with those who are in need. Are those already up there? Yep. Good. Okay. So, um, yeah, just... Uh, for ourselves, um, oh, this is you. That's okay. Go. Um, for ourselves, we examined our finances. Uh, we, we called through our spending. Um, and we asked God how we could better spend our money. And we made a plan and a budget. Uh, so we didn't only feel called to view our finances differently. Um, but we also did feel called to recognize the abundance of what we had. Uh, so we read another book that was really fundamental in the last couple of years, and we read it with our life group, who have all been really fundamental in, in this journey with us. And, uh, and it's a book by, uh, by Francis Chan called Crazy Love, which I'm sure many of you have read. 
So in this book, he recounts the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And Chan says, in that story, according to Matthew, Jesus gave the loaves to his disciples, and then the disciples passed them out to the crowd. Imagine if the disciples had simply held on to the food Jesus gave them, continually thanking him for providing lunch for them. That would have been stupid when there was enough food to feed the thousands who were gathered and hungry. So we aren't really all that different. He says, we are loaded down with too many good things. Um, And I can resonate with this on our journey to PNG. Um, I knew a year ago when we started this journey uh, that I'd be called to give up some material possessions. Some of you may know or may have seen the clothing swap on Facebook. I really enjoyed shopping. And, uh, and uh, things, those were things that have had a hold on me in the past, things that I valued, whether I admitted it or not. And I finally did that this spring, getting rid of uh, hundreds of once-treasured kids' items. And for me, that was a really good, um, I guess, just practical um, action that would support what we were feeling in the changes, even though it might seem like a small thing. I was holding on to them, whether I admitted it or not, kind of hoarding the abundance Uh, Chan also says, as we begin to practice regular giving, we see how ludicrous it is to hold on to the abundance God has given us and merely repeat the words, thank you. Um, So once we were no longer stressed about the money or tied to our possessions, and this is not a one-time thing, this is daily, um, our hearts were open to the idea of living our lives as a family uh, in such a way that we would be 100% dependent on God for all our needs, financial and material. So looking at the abundance of what we had released and releasing that to God gave us a freedom uh, to not be enslaved to our possessions. Um, And God laid it on our hearts that we would need to step outside of our comfort zone um, and serve him with our time as well. So something that we had also guarded in the past. And for any of you in your life, parents or not, uh, any stage of life that you're at, we can all become very guarded with our time. Uh, But John 15, 9 through 11 says, I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you these things so you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So as we first looked into options, we looked into uh, ways we could serve individually, but through various closed doors and through God's prompting, we really felt ser- uh, called to serve as a couple. And, uh, and with some in-home babysitting that is pretty fantastic and some wonderful grandparents on both sides. We were able to do that, and we walked through some open doors towards youth ministry here at Jericho and serving on the downtown east side uh, with our kids. And those are two ministries that have intersected at various points over the last three years, uh, even just as we've had youth come down and help us uh, downtown, and uh, two ministries that have really shaped us personally uh, and shaped our kids and shaped the direction of our family's mission. So, um, as we looked at God's commands and tried to remain in him, uh, we were more willing, joyfully, to set aside that time. Um, As soon as we, um, and we set aside that time together with a family, and we experienced joy in the process. And this, again, involved very tangible um, sort of uh, things that we had to do. We had to uh, sit down, we had to look at our schedule. We had to actually comb through each day of the week, okay, so this is what we have scheduled right now. Well, what do we need to pull back so that we can serve God? What do we need to, um, you know, minimize? Or how are we going to set our priorities in our life and with our family so that service can be a priority? And in doing that, we have experienced so much joy. Uh, we experienced joy uh, as we met with the people downtown. We prayed with them. Uh, we've served them, obviously. Um, we have uh, heard their stories and just been broken down with them. Uh, we experienced joy as our 
boys learn to uh, see all people who are loved by God regardless of their present circumstance. We experience joy as we built relationships with the youth, um, and uh, we experience joy as those very same relationships that we're building on uh, with the youth encouraged and challenged us to continue to, uh, to walk with God and go further and deeper in our relationship with him. Yeah, so just to summarize, we would definitely say it's been our experience that service has led to joy, which has led to more service. Um, so as we've served God out of an overflow of joy, uh, we were encouraged to remain in him even more. We're challenged to obey more of his commands, <clears throat> to take more of his words at face value, and to change our lives to reflect the priorities of God's kingdom. Um, so just to summarize that, also we would say that Obviously, I was in charge of the summarizations because I like the details. Um, acknowledging our time as God's has, we've experienced it, making us more willing to clear our calendars so that he can fill them with ministries he's designed for us. And we often don't see that happening. We don't see the big picture when we start it. We didn't know what serving with youth here was going to do in terms of changing our mission as a family, um, but we are sure glad that we did. So over the years, we've been blessed with the relationships that were built uh, through youth ministry at Blue Mountain um, and then again here at Jericho. So we've been encouraged and challenged as we interacted with youth at Jericho and learned from the, very, the visions of other families and how they live out God's commands individually and together. Um, so those first two photos that came up are some shots of Matt and Megan with our first, that's Ben as a baby, and then with Lucy. Um, and we've been blessed uh, to start as their youth leaders and then end up as friends um, and continue to be friends. And I've been really blessed to walk through the emotional and spiritual aspects of prepping to go to Papua New Guinea alongside Megan. Um, and I will not talk anymore in detail because that will make me cry. Um, so I've also been surprised by the meaningful relationships that have formed out of our time with youth at Jericho Ridge and the absolutely beautiful women of God who I get to call friends. Uh, so women who have really blessed me immensely, blessed our family in practical ways, shared in life with me and given me a lot of joy, and John as well. But I work more from my heart, so this one's coming from me. Um, and so another Bob Goff quote from Love Does says, when Jesus invites us on an adventure, he shapes who we become with what happens along the way. So we didn't anticipate a lot of these things um, when we set out, when we looked at that bulletin one Sunday and it said, we need two senior high youth leaders. And we're like, oh, we like teenagers. That sounds great. Um, so, but it's been pretty amazing to see that. And, uh, and again, just looking at the opportunities to serve God out of, um, in relationships and ministries out of the abundance of what he has given us has really freed us up to be surprised, encouraged, and amazed at how he can minister to us in the process. Um, last one, and then John's on next. But, uh, uh, yeah, so another quote um, says, God asks what it is he's made us to love, what it is that captures our attention, what feeds that deep, indescribable need of our souls to experience the richness of the world he made. And then leaning over, he whispers, let's go do that together. And, uh, and when we were really able to reflect on not only the time he's given us and the resources, but how he's made us, we have a lot of energy um, we really like teenagers, like we teach them all day, but we still really enjoy hanging out with them after that. Um, and, uh, and we have, you know, our living situation, families that support us in so many ways, friends that support us. Uh, when we took all those things into account, we were able to catch a greater glimpse of the adventure that God had for our family. And we were willing to embrace it, um, no matter what difficulties it might bring. 
I'm just going to call Megan up. There's a song from, um, that's based on Psalm 46 that's really been um, spoken to me a lot in the last little bit and to both of us. And I just want to sing it um, with Megan. And yeah, just another neat full circle thing to be able to be uh, singing this up here with her as well. See, Brad, that's why you put another chair up here. I know. You thought two of us standing up here was awkward. Poor John <laughs> sitting on the drums back there. We didn't really think that through, but that's I don't know okay. why I needed and asked me to sing either. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so um, I was just thinking uh, as they were singing, because it gives you a chance to reflect. Uh, obviously, uh, we've talked to you about the joy we've had in just giving up. Um, our time and our resources and our talents and all those things and the joy that we've experienced in that. We, we, we found joy so much in sharing about that too. Um, it, there's always been times when it's been a struggle figuring out, like, what the heck are we doing? Like, are we really moving to, like, Papua New Guinea? That sounds insane. But the joy that we experienced <laughs> in, in just putting that together and seeing, like, um, no, this is what God has called us for, and that's exciting. Um, but that doesn't mean it hasn't come without sacrifice. And um, I'm going to read three uh, verses. And um, all of them have, um, uh, they're ri- I picked them specifically because they were from three different writers, James, Peter, and Paul. And, uh, and I'll refer back to the one that we already had from, uh, from in Matthew, from Jesus. Uh, so the first one is in James uh, verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. Uh, this one has always uh, been a, uh, a verse that's been very dear to Anita and I. Uh, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. The next verse is from First uh, Peter Chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery troubles you are going through, as if something strange were, were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to the world. And the last is from Second Corinthians, so Paul writing to the church in Corinth. Uh, chapter 6, verse 10. Our hearts ache but we always have joy. We are poor, but we, give, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, yet we have everything. So, and then in context, the, the, uh, the verse that we shared in Matthew, when Jesus talks about uh, what it means to be, um, um, remain in him and in his love is to obey his commands. Immediately after, he talks about how you are going to be experienced suffering because of me. So, um, I know. I added something last minute. Oh. I didn't tell you. Sorry. (laughs) Um, So I was up at 4.30 this morning because something was on my heart, and I wanted to add this. Um, And just, we have really great examples of individuals in our lives who have shown us what it is to live joyfully in the midst of sacrifice. So our parents, for example, um, who have each lost sons uh, very unexpectedly and yet have continued to serve God joyfully. Um, John's Auntie Joy, it's a picture of me with his Auntie Joy, Uh, who served as a missionary in Papua New Guinea for over 40 years, very often owning nothing and yet having everything and living in that joy, very true to her name. 
Um, and our parents, again, as they sacrificed time with us and our kids to see us head over to Papua New Guinea um, for two years and who continue, despite the personal sacrifice, to support us in every way they can. Every time my dad prints a support letter for me or an insert, he's always like, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. I'm helping you go. But he does it anyway. So uh, they're just lots of living examples. So um, we... We picked those, uh, or I picked those, uh, f- well, three verses and, and obviously the context for the, the verse in Matthew, because this is not one person's idea in the Bible that joy comes in sacrifice. This is um, evident through all the writers in the New Testament. Uh, joy comes through sacrifice, and without sacrifice, we can't experience the joy that, that God is calling us to. And, um, and he has called us uh, specifically um, to be willing to sacrifice, and we picked out four things. Um, there could have been more, but these specific things came to mind as we were uh, putting this together. Uh, he called us to sacrifice comfort, security, control, and identity. Uh, for us, and, uh, and the way that God has wired us, it looked like moving to Papua New Guinea to use our skills as teachers and a missionary to missionary kids whose parents are working in various capacities at Yukarumpa and surrounding villages uh, but uh, they are primarily supporting the uh, translation of the Bible into the uh, tribal languages that are there. So the journey of preparing to move to Papua New Guinea has involved some sacrifice. Um, This is Anita's line. I know, because if you read it, then it would be I know, it wouldn't make sense. So I have personally struggled to give up control. That's my thing, and and constant battle with God. And while God has probably, when John was, I asked him what he's kind of felt God teaching him is he's been teaching him to fully trust it, that God will be our family's provider. So it's different challenges for both of us and our different personalities. Um, but yeah, for comfort, I'll let you take over. Again. Okay. So uh, the first was uh, comfort. Uh, this is an actual picture of our house that we got from uh, Google Maps. <laughs> we didn't take the picture. We were, that was like one extra step. So we went to Google Maps. Isn't the internet amazing? Um, so that is an actual picture of our house. It's beautiful. We don't live in the nice part. We live in the basement, um, the cave dwellers, but we love it. There they are smiling. So, and the next is a picture of a hut and, uh, we won't be living in a hut like this permanently, but, uh, we will be for a month. Our training involves, uh, living in, uh, basically you go through language and cultural training. And the uh, one month following that is, I guess, the application of that. And you live in a village uh, with no running water, no electricity, in uh, something similar to this. This is uh, something that I've experienced, and uh, my brother-in-law and sister are here. They've been there, and my parents as well. So they know uh, what it's like to, to be in the villages. And it doesn't mean that, uh, that obviously, um, it was awesome in a lot of ways. Uh, our kids are looking forward to a month camp out. Um, but, um, yeah, we are, we are looking at, uh, sacrificing some of these, uh, conveniences of, uh, living in, uh, in an affluent place and, uh, and we are excited and joyful about doing that. The next is, uh, a joy in, in our security. Um, we live in Canada where, where we take, uh, many of these things for granted. Um, we are very safe. We are very secure. Um, and, uh, and of course in Papua New Guinea, this is something that we have to be concerned about, something that we have to be concerned about for ourselves, uh, for our kids. Um, we have to make sure that, uh, Anita is always, um, uh, basically not alone. 
um, because of some, some issues there with the patriarch, patriarchal society. And, um, and this is the first thing my father-in-law read about Papua New Guinea. He went onto and their site and looked up the advisory on the Canadian government site <laughs> and pointed it out to me. When we, were mo- when we told him we were moving there, he said, so I looked it up, and uh, it's small, uh, but I'll read it. Uh, he says, there is uh, no national advisory in effect for Papua New Guinea. However, you should exercise a high degree of caution due to high levels of serious crime, often involving the use of lethal weapons. Um, yeah, so it's not going to be as safe here, um, but that's okay. We know that God will protect us, and, 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 uh, and even in that, we know that God is going to, uh, he has a long-term plan for us. It's not um, in all ways, so we are secure in our, in our hope for, for the future as well. Um, and then also just identity. Uh, so we, along with our kids, will be exchanging our previous identities as teachers, coaches, even French immersion students for Ben, um, and giving up some of those things to hopefully identify more completely with Christ. And, uh, and we've never said that you have to move to Papua New Guinea to do this. You can do it here. God's been making us and causing us to do that here the whole process along this journey, and he'll continue to do it while we're there, and he'll continue to do it when we come back home. So... Um, but, yeah, this is just a part of our journey. And that's been hard because sometimes we look at it and we wonder, oh, you know, these things are things that are valuable in the world's eyes. Are we going to, is it okay that we're giving these up willingly? Um, and then lastly, control. Uh, so we'll be exchanging um, regular paychecks for support-raised finances uh, in which we're dependent on the generosity of care and care of others to make ends meet. That's a hard one. We're both used to just working and, and getting paid. And, and I've fundraised before, but... Asking, support raising is different, I've learned. I think someone probably told me that before, but I was still a little bit confident that, nope, that's okay, I've done something like this. Uh, but it's very humbling. And, uh, but in releasing control to God, we've actually seen him move in amazing ways. So one way recently involved our flights, and I'll just tell you quickly. Um, almost six months ago, we had a donor offer to donate almost 300,000 air miles to get our family as far as Australia for just the cost of the taxes. We were absolutely thrilled, but we quickly ran into some snags trying to acquire a tax receipt for our donor. We waited for months. We were waiting for written permission from Canada Revenue Agency. And all the while, we were feeling frustrated that this wonderful gift has been given, but we couldn't use it. Um, And last uh, two weeks ago, still with no word on a tax receipt, we received a text from our friend who had connected us with this donor telling us to go ahead and book the tickets, uh, tax receipt or not. So as we went online to book our flights, we realized that our donor had the exact number of required points for our family of six, that there were flights that totaled up to that exact amount, and that this wasn't the case a week prior, that there were flights out of Vancouver that weren't available in December when we were initially looking, and had we booked in December, that we would have been arriving in the country a month later than we needed to be there because our training date got changed in February. So we literally got to see every detail sorted out by God's unique design, and we can now say that our flights as far as Australia are booked, which is a huge praise item. So if this was in our control and we had booked when we thought it was best, uh, we would have been arriving in Australia in the wrong month and we would have missed out on God, uh, watching God work out all of the details. So I try to remind myself of those sorts of moments every time I wanna grab back control and those moments happen daily, so it's a a constant thing. Um, We've also seen numerous answers to prayer over the past year as we've embarked on this journey. It is truly the foundation for for everything you need to do. And for us, we have constantly been brought back to prayer. 
And we're trying to, uh, continuing to see it as a daily declaration that we're not in control. And that this is, um, and that knowing God is in control is the best possible scenario. And I love reading the, the old standards. And Charles Spurgeon said, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. If we may have everything by asking in his name and nothing without asking, I beg you to see how absolutely vital prayer is. So the joy in sacrificing control is really in realizing that we never had control in the first place. And more importantly, that the one who is in control has our absolute best in mind. And I'm preaching that to myself as I say it. Uh, We want good and he wants best. Uh, So perhaps it's not a sacrifice at all. Um, And just to end off, again, um, I think we're almost done. So I only have two more slides. Um, But another analogy, another story from uh, the book Love Does uh, says, we've all given up something at one time or another. At first, it feels like a huge sacrifice to give up what we've got. To Jesus, though, it's no sacrifice at all. Think about it from his perspective. He comes from heaven where he has an amazing love relationship with the Father, which by its nature is the most beautiful existence any person could have. And he offers that to anybody willing to let go of whatever is giving them a false sense of security. Why would anybody not make that trade? Jesus is basically saying, look, none of the stuff you have is going to last, including you. You've only got about a dime's worth of life now. Come and trade up. Come follow me, and you can know God. In that sense, Jesus isn't requesting a sacrifice at all. He's asking us to play bigger and better, where we give up ourselves and end up with him. Actually, the real game of bigger and better that Jesus is playing with us usually isn't about money or possessions or even our hopes. It's about our pride. He asks us if we'll give up that one thing we're so proud of. For us, that was teaching. It was all sorts of things. Um, so that we can, so that we believe, so that the thing we believe that causes us to matter in the eyes of the world, give that up and follow him. He's asking us, will you take what you think defines you, leave it behind, and let, let me define what you are instead? The cool thing about taking Jesus up on his offer is that whatever controls you doesn't anymore. Um, when we get our security from Christ, we no longer have to look for it in the world, and that's a pretty good trade. Um, he also said, maybe God is doing some inexplicable things in your life. Each of us gets to decide every time whether to lean in or step back, to say yes, ignore it, or tell God why he has the wrong person. So we're trying to lean in. We've given some things up daily. We're trying to. We felt called to give and serve and surrender. And in return, we've been given something better. In the end, we've realized that the greatest joy is in being completely satisfied in Christ. And that's what we're going to keep focusing on. We've caught glimpses of this satisfaction. We've by no means got it perfected. Uh, But with God's help, we're letting go of our finances, our time, comfort, security, identity, and control. uh, Because we have seen that, in fact, it's a pretty great trade. Um, just lastly, if you'd like to talk with us more about our journey, we would love to chat with you at the welcome table. Uh, we do have a computer. Uh, Tammy has a computer set up there, and it, you can actually just sign up for our prayer newsletter right there. And there's envelopes if you'd like to consider um, walking with us in terms of support. Um, and if you're more of an online person, there's a, a little form up there. That website listed has a five-minute Um, kind of connection form that has all the info to get you connected, allow you to sign up for our blog or prayer newsletter, or let us know if you'd like to join us in financial support. So, and just as, um, just from the heart as well, we just want to thank you for walking with us in this journey and um, yeah, for helping us lean into this. And we really appreciate knowing that we have the love and support of Jericho here. And, and we really wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our church family and for the ways that many of you families that may not even know it. And some that do know that, uh, you guys have helped shape where God is uh, leading us, and you've helped um, open our ears a bit more to what God has for us. So we're very thankful.